If you got your Bibles, turn with me to 1 Samuel chapter 30. I mean, we can cheer at an OU game. We can cheer at an Oklahoma State game. We can cheer at a Texas game. I better duck behind the podium. I guess we can cheer for the Word of God. I want to I want to pull something out tonight. I want to extract something from the word tonight. That extract is a dental term, isn't it? I want to extract some things. And she says it's not always easy. But I want to um before we get into this, I want to talk a little bit about David and his victory over the Amalekites. Anybody heard of Ziklag? Raise your hand. Some of you have have got an understanding, at least have heard that before. Let me lay down a little bit of where we are at this time. David has been on the run from Saul. Saul has been trying to pursue him. He's been trying to kill him. He's doing just about anything he can to come after David. How many of you know at this time, David is not the 16 or 19-year-old boy that killed Goliath. He's growing up, and he's, he's a young man full of vigor. He's a warrior. He has 600 guys that are with him. He's running from Saul. He, he, he's staying away from uh, the areas in which Saul might be after him. And at this point in time, David has actually left Israel, left the armies of Israel, and he is joined up with the Philistines. I mean, come on, this is this is in the word. He's actually left them and he's joined the Philistines. Now, Israel and the Philistines are kind of like OU in Texas. Come on, somebody. There's a rival that's taking place there. So when you when you look at this and you think, well, this is very unusual of what has taken place, but He's joined with the Philistines, and at this time, David, I don't know if you knew this or not, but Ziklag was given to David as a city. The king at that time, David had spent many years with him, and he was warring on behalf of the Philistines, of the the the. The king said, or David said to the king, and I think you can find this back in 1 Samuel 27, 28, somewhere in there. He goes to him and he says, you know, all the other people in your army have different cities that they've got. Where's my city? And he gives him Ziklag. So he's given him this city. And this is, we're going we're gonna to pick this up and we're going to begin to see what has taken place. So Israel is about ready to have a showdown with the Philistines. It is going to be a major war. Saul himself goes on to the battlefield, and he looks and he sees the number of the Philistines, and he's afraid. There is a great number in that army. So afraid that he goes to a witch to call up Samuel, who Samuel was dead. Samuel had passed, and how many of you know, when Samuel had passed, he had advised Saul, and the anointing was lifted off of the nation of Israel. 
They were a powerful nation. They began to advance. And this anointing was lifted off of there. And Samuel himself had died. And Saul, it's in the word of God, y'all. Y'all going to have to just read it, all right? He goes to a witch to conjure him up. Now, I want you to understand that at this time, Saul had a decree to where all the witches and sorcerers and everybody was supposed to be wiped out. They were supposed to be killed. So this witch at Endor that he comes, he disguises himself. And, and she originally at first doesn't know that it's Saul coming. And then, and then it's revealed to her that it's Saul and she's afraid for her life. So he calls up Samuel and... Samuel basically doesn't give him some real good news, but basically it's kind of, I told you so, the anointing's lifted off of you, you're in trouble. So the Philistine army is ready to go against Israel. And I just, um, just trying to think where I want to pick up it. I may, I may, um, in chapter 29, David is talking with the king. I'm not sure how to pronounce it, but it's A-C-H-I-S-H. Achish? I'm going to pronounce it that way. A-C-H-I-S-H. Achish. So he's, he's talking to this king. And the Philistine army is lined up. And David's men, they were some unbelievable men. They were at the very back of the army. They were the, at that time, the strategic military advisors would call it the rear guard. They were in the rear. They were bringing up the rear. And the head of the Philistine army came back to the king, and he's like, what's David doing back there? Don't you know he's a Hebrew? Don't you know he's an Israelite? And the king is like, look, he's been with me for a couple of years, and I'm paraphrasing all this. You read it for yourself. He says, look, he's been with me for a couple of years. He's all right. He's honorable. He's, he's never done anything for me to question his loyalty in any way, shape, or form. And the leaders in the military, they're like, you know, I don't think it's a good thing that he's back there. They said, here we are going up against the Israelites And then the Philistines are going to come in, and they're going to clash. And at the back of the Philistines, if you can see this picture, is 600 warrior men that are actually Hebrews from Israel. So the military leaders have some wisdom, and they say, well, you know, I don't think he needs to be back there. We think it's best that we go to war without him. So the king goes back and he talks to David and he says, you know, you've been very loyal. You've been, you know, you know, been been wonderful for me. I don't have anything against you, but I think it's better that you return to your home. And that home that he was returning to was Ziklag. So they have left. So the, if you can picture this, the, the, the Philistine army has, has gone out of camp. They've got David and his men behind him. The Ziklag is basically there's very few men, if any, in the, in the city of Ziklag. There's women and children. There is another group that the Bible talks about, and it's the Amalekites. Say Amalekites. 
You don't want to run into an Amalekite. They're kind of like bandits. They, they would go around and where cities would be afraid, the Amalekites would move in. They would destroy the city. They would take the plunder and then they would leave. Are you with me? They weren't as large as, as, as the Philistine army. They were not as large as Israel, the, the nation of Israel, the Israelites. So the Amalekites would go in and do some things. All right. So we're just, I'm saying all of this just to lay some groundwork for you. Is everybody there with me? But now we're going to put to the place where David is going back. In chapter 29, I think it's verse 11, it talks about David rising early and he's returning back to the land of the Philistines. And as he returns to the land of the Philistines, the Philistines move on ahead to Jezreel where they're going to have a clash with Israel. So I'm going to pick it up at 1 Samuel chapter 30, verse 1. If you're there, say, I'm there. And then it happened when David and his men came to Ziklag on the third day that the Amalekites had made a raid on Negev and on Ziklag and had overthrown Ziklag and burned it with fire. And they took captive the women... And all who were in it, both small and great, without killing anyone, they carried them off and they went their way. Verse 3, when David and his men came to the city, this is their city. This is your warriors returning home. And they came home and there was no one there to greet them. In fact, it says, and behold, it was burned with fire, and their wives and their sons and their daughters had been taken captive. Turn to your neighbor and say, uh-oh, there is trouble in River City. Y'all ever heard that term? I have no idea where that came from. Does anybody know where River City is? The music, is that a, is that a movie? A musical. Oh, well, I need to see that musical then to find out where there's trouble in River City. Well, you know exactly, two of you guys know exactly what's taking place here. There's some trouble. Turn to your neighbor and say, there's trouble. So he comes, the, the Bible says that he comes to this and he sees this is burned. And look at verse 4. And David and the people who were with them lifted up their voices and they wept until there was no strength to weep. I don't know if you've ever experienced that. You may not have gone back home and your house burnt down and your kids were gone. But have you ever wept to where you had no strength left? When I read those words, the Spirit hit me. And it was like, I've experienced that. I have cried so much that I couldn't cry anymore. I couldn't function for tears. I couldn't operate for grief and hurt and pain. I almost at times couldn't even lift my head out of bed. Oh, come on, somebody. 
Maybe I'm just talking to a few in here tonight. But if you've ever been in this place, David and 600 warrior, I'm talking about macho men, were weeping because it looked like all was lost. Now, verse 5 says David had two wives. This is the Old Testament. Y'all don't get no ideas. And two wives had been taken captive. Ananom, the Jezreelists, Jezreelites, and Abigail, the widow of Nabal, the Carmelite. Moreover, David was greatly distressed. Okay, David's in the same position as the warrior men, right? He's come back. The women and the children are gone. The place is burned. There's nothing left. See, previous, I guess, if, if you go back a couple chapters in 28, 27, 29, one of them three, the Palestinian king had come to David and said, where have you been? And David and his men had been out raiding the countryside. They were... Mm, kicking some hiney. Are you with me? And with that, they were bringing back the spoil. Where do you think all that spoil went? In Ziklag, you're absolutely right. So they had raided three different places and came with all the spoil and had it in Ziklag. Oh, come on, somebody. It's one thing, too, to, to know that all your possessions are gone. Anything that you owned, had, could have had, would have had, should have had, inheritances, it was all gone. And then your children, they're gone. Come on. And your wives is gone. And then you begin to look at this and you say, oh, my word, look at this. Now, David comes to a point, and the 600 men come to a point where they have wept so much they just literally don't have strength for anything. And look at verse 6. Moreover, David was greatly distressed because the people spoke of stoning him. For all the people were embittered, each one. Why were they mad? Why were they upset? Because they were blaming it now on David because they left Ziklag. And it says they were embittered because each one of his sons and his daughters. But David, oh, come on, strengthened himself in the Lord. Oh, let, me, let me say it again. He strengthened himself in the Lord. What does that mean? What, what does, how do I strengthen myself in the Lord? How, how do I do that? Because when all the things were stripped away, when his body was physically weep, when he couldn't cry another tear, and then the people, the 600 men that believed in him, turned on him, and they said they were going to stone him. David said, I, everybody has forsaken me, but God, you will never leave me. You will never forsake me. And I know, God, that it's only by your strength that I can move from this point forward. I do not wish this on anybody. But if you've ever been there, well, you can't pick yourself up. And day and night goes by, and all of a sudden, you find a little bit of strength to get something to eat. Or you find a little bit of strength 
to get something to drink. This is where David was at. Everybody had forsaken him. His best buddies, his posse, his homeboys, whatever you want to call it in modern-day vernacular, had, had turned against him. And David found strength in the Lord. And I'm here to tell you tonight that you will find strength in the Lord. You will find strength in the Lord. You will find strength in the Lord. Turn to your neighbor and say, he's talking about you. Let's go on. Can we go on? But David strengthened himself in the Lord his God. And then David said to Abathar, the priest, the son of Amalek, please bring me the ephod. So Abathar brought the ephod. Now, he brought this to David. This is a, some people say it's a high priestly garment, but it's a priestly garment because there were others other than the high priest that wore this garment. Okay? You can look back, and and actually, actually, Abathar, his father was raided, and Saul killed him looking for David. And he fled and found David. And when he came into the camp at that time of the Philistines, he had the ephod with him. And David knew it because David had asked him before to bring me that ephod, bring me that holy garment, bring that thing to me because I'm inquiring of the Lord. I think you could find that back in chapter 23, verse 9, if you want to make a note of it. So he says, bring me this. And David, in chapter, in verse 8, inquired of the Lord. Now, I don't know about you, but sometimes we go through some difficult things. Sometimes there are things so difficult in our lives that we may not even want to get up in the morning. We may not even want to go to work that day. We may not even want to see the kids, answer the phone, answer an email, uh, answer the door. Come on, somebody. David was at a point where he was there, and he says, bring me this priestly garment. The Bible's really not clear at all about what he prayed, how he prayed, or anything else. But the Bible said he inquired of the Lord. I want you to get this principle, because there will be difficult times in your life. Smile, it's okay. There will be difficult times in your life. And I want you to get this tonight, that when you get into that difficult place, you need to inquire of the Lord. Joshua did not inquire of the Lord when they first downsized their army and they went into Ai and got defeated. And they lost 30 men, I believe it was. The worst defeat that they had, I'm thinking, 30 men? <laughs> That's not very many men to lose, and that was the worst defeat they had. But Joshua did not inquire of the Lord, but David inquired of the Lord. In other words, you know, maybe he set out and said, God, what do I do? What do I do? What do I do? I don't know if it was, an, you know, an arrow prayer that just went up there and hit the target. It was quickly to say, help! What do I do? But he must have been in a position 
to hear the word of the Lord. Do you want to hear the word of the Lord, which David heard? Do you want to hear it? Let's look at it right here. Verse 8, David inquired of the Lord, saying, Shall I pursue this band? Shall I overtake them? And here's what the Lord said to him. Pursue, overtake, and recover all. He says, pursue, for you will surely overtake them, and you will surely rescue all. So check this out. The Bible doesn't really tell which direction David went in. I mean, here is David inquiring of the Lord. I'm just paraphrasing. He stands up, and it's like, okay, north, east, south, west. God didn't say, go east, young man. (laughs) Maybe he did, but the Bible's not clear on it. But he began to pursue So I believe his military instinct kicked in. I believe his understanding of what has taken place kicked in. Maybe the Holy Spirit was guiding him at that time. And the Bible says that he went and the 600 were with him and they came to the brook of Besor. I'm not sure if that's to the south of where they are in Ziklag, but he said where those were left behind remained. In other words, watch this cutting down. Right here. There were men that were so weary, so weak from weeping and wailing and crying. Are you with me? That they were so weak that verse 11 says they, I mean, that that they basically left some of them there behind in verse 10. Now, verse 11, here's what I want to get to tonight. Now, they found an Egyptian, say Egyptian. They found an Egyptian in the field. It wasn't an Israelite. It wasn't a Philistine. It was an Egyptian. And this Egyptian came from the Amalekites. And this Egyptian had fallen sick and became no good any longer to the Amalekite army. Are you with me? Some of you know this story. Some of you don't. Just stay with me, those of you that do. He became sick. He became no good. Now, David and his pursuit of the Amalekite army could have just walked past this man. Oh, come on. Don't you think, David, look, that we don't need to get this guy. I mean, this guy's half dead as it is. I mean, he's an Egyptian. He's not one of us. Well, let's just leave him there. I mean, he's half dead anyway. Why are we messing with our time? We got to go. We're three days behind. We got to go and get on our horse. We got to ride. We got to find those guys. And don't be messing with this guy. I want you to see a principle here that you're going to get a hold of tonight. Are you ready? It says, they found an Egyptian in the field, and they brought him to David. David ran a sword through him, cut off his head, held it up. What's their Bible say? (laughs) Check it out. Some of you are going, what? David gave him some bread, and he ate, and they provided water for him to drink. 
he met the needs, didn't he? He saw and he had compassion. This man who was bound, bent on getting his wife and children and his possessions back, and he says, in the midst of his anger, in the midst of his disgust, in his midst of his hurt, in the midst of his pain, he looked over at this Egyptian and he said, get him something to eat. Give him some bread, give him some food, give him some water. How about a steak, baked potato, salad, what you need? I'm going to give you some stuff. Get him some vitamins, get him some stuff, get him strong, and get him healthy. And the Bible says that he gave him a piece of fig cakes and two clusters. Come on, somebody. That was some good stuff. And he says he ate it. And the Bible says that his spirit was revived. Oh, come on. The physical food can revive your spirit? <laughs> I think that's what it's saying. It didn't say that his soul was revived. It said that his spirit was revived. So the, 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 the figs and the cakes and the clusters of raisins that he ate, it says, it, then his spirit revived, and he had not eaten or a bread or drunk any water for three days and three nights. So we know how far behind the Amalekites were. Three days and three nights. David says to him in verse 13, Oh, by the way, you feeling better? Yeah, much better. Thank you, David. Who do you belong to? I'm paraphrasing now. You can read it in a minute. Well, we were raiding this place, and we were raiding that place, and we just came back from Ziklag and burned it. And I belong to the Amalekites. Bingo! <laughs> Bingo! <laughs> I, I wake you up, didn't I? Good. So he hit the jackpot. It's there. He just struck gold. Come on, somebody. He just hit the well. He just got to the water. He just got to the vein of gold. He just got in the direction in which they needed to go. Oh, come on, somebody. Because in the midst of your darkness, in the midst of your pain, in the midst of the things that are going on that you're going through, don't forget those that are around you. Don't forget those that might be on the peripheral vision that God says, bring them in, take care of them, nurture them, give them some food, give them some water, because I'm going to use them to give you directions in order to be able to pursue, overtake, and recover all. Hallelujah. We can't forget about what's on the outside. We got to begin to start looking on the fringes and on the sides of the thing because sometimes it's not right smack dab in front of you. It's not like, you know, the donkey that Balaam was on that stopped because the angel of the Lord was in front of it and he gets out and he whoops that donkey and then the donkey gets back on and he goes again and the angel of the Lord stops and he sits back down again and he Whipping that dog in the dog said, What you doing, man? What's the matter with you? We can't forget about what's on the side. Listen, David never, probably never would have found his wife and children if it wasn't for this Egyptian man. Let's give the Lord praise for this Egyptian guy. I, I don't know who he is, but maybe we'll get a chance to meet him someday. Amen.
Let's follow along with me. Verse 13, and David said to him, do you, do you belong? And where are you from? And he said, I'm a young man of Egypt, a servant of an Amalekite. And my master left me behind when I fell sick three days ago. We made a raid on Negev of the Cherethites and on which belongs to Judah and the Negev of, the, of, of Caleb. And we burned Ziklag with fire. Bingo, he just found him. Then David said to him, will you bring me down to this band? Can you show me? where they're going. And he says, if you swear to God that you will not kill me, <laughs> he said, I'll del- or deliver me into the hands of my masters. I'll take you down there. I mean, this guy wasn't stupid. Come on. He was like, you know what? First of all, let's deal. If you won't kill me. And he was even smarter than that. Because David could have said, well, I won't kill you. And then when they got to the Amalekites, they could have said, hey, look who I got for you. Send him out first. But he says, if you won't kill me, I'll do it. But another thing, if you don't turn me over to them, to my master, he said, I'll do that. I'll take you down there. Check this out. David said to him, you bring me down to this band. And he said, swear to me that God that you will not kill me or deliver me into the hands of my master. And I'll bring you down to this band. And when he brought him down, behold, they were spread all over the land. They were eating and drinking and dancing, and it was a party. The Amalekites, they were just having a big party. Oh, man, you know, you know I could just see David going, mm-hmm. I'm going to give you all a party here pretty soon. Looking around at him, looking down on him, just, you know, bonfires going and dancing and just just having a big old time. And they were dancing because of all the great spoil that they had taken from the land of the Philistines and from the land of Judah. Verse 17, get ready. David slaughtered them. You talk about vengeance? He says from twilight until evening of the next day. And we have trouble getting to church. And he warred for his stuff, his wife's, two wives, children for a day and a half. And it says, not a man escaped except... 400 young men rode off on camels and fled. Verse 18, I love this. David recovered all that the Amalekites had taken and rescued his two wives. But nothing of theirs was missing, whether small or great sons or daughters, spoil or anything that they had taken for themselves, David brought it back. You think his men was happy of David? Now, here's guys just a few days earlier that they're fixing to stone him. It done messed up, man. My wife is gone, and my kids, they're gone, and it's your fault. It's your fault. You're supposed to be leading us, and you let us out to the Philistines, and you left the home place open. It's your fault. Now they're going, David, you're the man. 
<laughs> They're going, David, you're the man. He got all his stuff back. There's my camel. I can just see a guy coming. Oh, there's my camel. I love my camel. I miss you. I'm a faithful camel. You know, you cowboys would do that with a horse. It's my horse. It's my horse. My trusty horse. Got my horse back. Check this out. So David had captured all the sheep cattle in which people drove ahead, the other livestock, and they said this. This spoil belongs to David. Do you think there was some gratitude? Do you think they were going, David, you're the man. A few days ago, all was lost. But now, you're the man. David would have not got any spoil. David may not have been able to find out where they were at if it wasn't for that little Egyptian guy. A lot of times we travel through our life, and there's people on the sides that we may not see. And I'm here tonight to tell you we need to be looking at those people on the sides, those that may catch your eye, just the corner of your eye. You may discount it, and you might say, eh, they're from India. Ah, uh, they're from Texas. Ah, uh, they're from North Carolina. Ah, uh, they're not from here. They're not from around here. They're from somewhere else. They don't mean anything, don't need anything. They're no good. And we will miss out to where God wants to bring us. Do y'all get this? We're going to miss out to where God wants to bring us. And not only do we miss out, and this is a very serious thing, because not only do we miss out on the relationships God wants to bring us into, we miss out on the stuff that God wants to bring you into. Come on, somebody. I mean, these guys didn't say, it's mine. They said, it's David's. You got that? I want us to stay focused on the mission and on the plan and on the purpose. And there may be times where we've got to take that person that needs some food, that needs some water, that needs some compassion, some love. It's at times that we take that person that they may think they're unlovely and we begin to reach out to them and bring them in to say, God loves you. David did that with that Egyptian, and he had compassion on that man. And it got him to the destiny that God wanted for us. God has a plan and a purpose and a destiny for you and for your life. And let's not discount who's on the edges, who's in the ditch. Mm, that's good. Who's in the ditch? Who's, in the, who, who's gotten off the road? Who's gotten off the path? Who's gotten away from the things of God that we might be able to pour water? You know, the water, the living water, the water, the fresh, refreshing water of the Lord Jesus Christ. That we could pour that water on them, that we could bring them that food. And the Bible says that their spirit was revived. Where is it that we're so busy going? We're so caught up with where we're headed, so busy worrying about our ways, our plans, our desires, the things we've got to do that we may miss out on that Egyptian 
on the side of the road. Selah. That means to ponder on this or to think about this. I'm going to encourage you to read the rest of this because there's a little small dispute when it comes to dividing up the spoils. And those that went in received the same thing as those that were on the other side of the river that didn't go into battle. Let's keep that in mind. Thank you for letting me speak the word of God into you tonight. Let's pray. Father, tonight, God, as we are not just selfish-minded, we're kingdom-minded. And it's about your kingdom. And we say that your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. God, tonight, let us see. Give us eyes to see those that may be in the ditch to the right of us or to the left of us. They might be out. They may not be on our radar screen. They may be outside our scope, but we may catch a glimpse and to see them. And God, give us the heart that David had to not only bless bless them with food, but water to get them to a place of strength. God, if there's anybody here tonight that may be that Egyptian, that, God, that you will give them strength tonight, that you'll give them courage tonight, that they can say it was great to be in the house of the Lord, that their spirit is revived tonight. Revived tonight. Revived tonight. Strengthened renewed, retooled, refired, encouraged, built up, edified, strengthen them tonight in Jesus' name. And everybody said amen.